Whether on the boat, on the river, or in the woods, Yeti products are by our side. There are many innovative first-class companies in the outdoor market today, but none more so than Yeti. In 2006, they took the industry by storm when they produced their first roto-molded cooler that was reliable and built for the wild. 17 years later, with a multitude of new products, they continue to raise the bar and be the gold standard for all outdoor brands. We couldn't be more proud to have them as a Millhouse sponsor and a family member. Duck Camp makes outdoor goods so you can outdoor good. From the shallow water flats to the mallard-filled marshes, Duck Camp is there to make you feel comfortable and enhance the quality of your time in the elements. Not only do they make some of the best outdoor apparel on the market, but they support many of the organizations near and dear, fighting for our resource in the natural world. Check them out at duckcamp.com and tell them we sent you. Ian Slater is one of the hardest working, most determined young guides in the Florida Keys. On today's podcast, we'll talk about his previous life in hockey and his current focus on winning the biggest tournaments in saltwater fly fishing. We broke everything. We broke lines. We broke hooks. We broke rods. We broke our minds. We broke marriages. We broke the whole thing. We uh, came up with the idea of going out that night and chasing girls, and whoever had the biggest pair of panties won the pot. I knocked another arrow, and he turned around the other way, and I shot him going through the other way. So I double-lunged him both ways. But it was nothing for us to paddle an air mattress out into government cut. I got him on. All right, now we're going to teach him a lesson. I'm just an old guy that likes to fish. I'm not quitting yet. And he said, well, who the hell do you think you are, Sue App? And I said, that's exactly who I am. Life's journey to the grave should not be one arriving with a pretty, well-preserved body, but rather skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly torn out, thoroughly used up, proclaiming wildly, wow, what a ride. <laughs> There's something fishy going on here. Ian, um, you're kind of new to the ball game here, aren't you, with the tarpon scene and, and the tournaments? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, when, do, when, when did you come to uh, Key West and the tarpon world and becoming a guide? I came down, it would have been the end of 14. That wow. would have been it. And, you know, just nine years. Nine years now, yeah. Wow. Yeah. You've come so far so fast. It feels fast. Sometimes it doesn't feel like I've come that far. <laughs> well, that's fishing. Yeah. <laughs> fishing t- sometimes you feel like you're just w- walking across a yeah. long desert. You yeah. know. Um, I want to bring the audience up to speed. Uh, Ian Slater, you were a professional hockey player. Uh, now you're fishing a lot of the tournaments. Uh, you're one of the top dogs in the, in the fishing, tarpon fishing world. Also permit and all these other things that you're doing. Um, Nathaniel Linville, you're fishing with, with Nate, and you yep. finished third in the Gold Cup, uh, an event that you guys should have won, two could times, have won. Two times, right? Third, yeah. twice, yeah. yeah, two times. Um, so 
you're 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 i think i think you've brought along with nathaniel professionalism professionalism to the game of fishing tarpon fishing uh i i thought i brought uh that kind of competitive edge when it came from, from skiing to fishing uh, but Steve Huff said recently, he said, I think Nathaniel has really brought the game to a higher level at, at a professional state. And you came from a professional game of hockey mm-hmm. into fishing. Is there any similarities? Yes. Yeah. I mean, just as far as like, you want to beat people up? <laughs> no, not, <laughs> not, not anytime soon. And those days are behind me and, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that the parallels are, are, you know, just, you know, a lot of it's the approach, you know, that was what we talked a lot about was just, you know, your preparation and how you get ready. And then you go out for a game and you just want to let it fly, you know? And so it was always just how you were preparing, how are you getting ready? And, you know, a lot of that is just with, you know, tarpon fishing, just your prep work going in the tournaments. And then when you, you know, you show up to the golden fly or the gold cup, it's, you know, you want to feel loose. You want to feel, you know, like all like the, you're really ready. Yeah. All your work and <clears throat> that you've put in is, is, you know, you, you want to show it and, and have it pay off. So, um, from the competitive side and, and hockey, it, it definitely shows in, in the tournaments and just like that day to day, um, you know, you want to fish the way you want to fish in the tournaments. And sometimes you're going to fish harder on, you know, charter days just to get you ready. Mm-hmm. And you're going to fish through stuff that you necessarily wouldn't want to fish through, um, but you're so hyper fixated on, you know, the, the goal in front of you. And, and I think tarpon season is so special. It's like, it's an actual season, you know, these fish don't swim forever. And the way the tournaments are set up that it's, you know, it, to me, the tarpon tournaments feels more like hockey competition than anything else. It's a said season. It's capped off with the gold cup. And, um, you know, and I, and I really can resonate with that. When's your so the season starts? What would you say, April first to first week in July, season wise for you? I would say that you know I prep for the Merkin, and then after the Merkin, it's straight into tarpon. Um, and it's tough sometimes watching tarpon swim by the boat, and you're grinding away for permit, and you're like, man, we probably should be tarpon fishing today. Um, but that's just you know kind of how I'm wired, pretty you know singular focus on what I'm doing at that time and, and trying to get ready for, you know, whether it's the Merkin or, or the golden fly, but I start, you know, right after the Merkin. Do you have a fish hierarchy as opposed to like, you know, where permit ranks versus tarpon ranks, or is it just all seasonal? Like what you're saying? Um, you know, I, I generally love what I'm doing in the moment. Like it, it, it's hard to say that, you know, to put a, a value on tarpon versus permit or vice versa. Um, but I, I do love the tarpon fish. I mean, it's... But you do have a very strong passion for permit. Huge. I mean, yeah, yeah you talk to me three months now, and I'm probably, you know, right. trying to, you know, beat my head against the wall and what the permit are doing. Um, so, yeah, that's a tough one for me. Uh, you know, what's fortunate for down here is we can pursue permit all year and under, you know, most conditions. That, but with the tarpon, it is a pretty short season. Sure. And it's... Um, I wish it was a little longer. Uh, so, you know, I try to, you know, take as, you know, get in, involved with the tarpon fishing and, and, and trying to improve as much as I can, as quickly as I can in this, this short season. You know, one of the interesting things that, that comes to mind is that Nathaniel says you've always been driven to learn all this on your own. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. You, what kind of elf, outside influence have you had uh, as far as guiding where to fish, uh, how to fish? 
I mean, I think early on it was just I wanted to, I wanted to be out there on my own, and I, and because I heard it was just it's tough to get down here and, and dealing with the the guide scene and being the new guy, and so I figured you know the very least I could just be out there every single day trying to do my own thing, and you know maybe I can maybe that gets me a little skin in the game, um, and then like as it progressed from there, it's just like you you form these own beliefs. Um, seeing a spot the first time and, and those beliefs stick with you and you might not know if what you stumbled on is something, you know, new or, or not. And it's just like you hear from guys like, you know, go, go fish that edge on this stage of the tide, they'll swim right to you. And that's great. But you know, you seeing it through your own eyes and having like that real organic relationship with what you're, what's taken place was, was really important to me and still is very important to me. Um, and, and, you know, and it's, I don't think it's too much pride on my side to say, like, I want to go do this all on my own. Um, but the value that I place on it, it's, it's important. It makes me feel good. And, right. um, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, whether it's a hard day or not, um, you know, like I self-evaluate how I did and did I do it the right way? And, and, you know, that's, that's really important. Because you mentioned a couple of spots when we, when you first walked in here, how do you learn the lower keys when there's there's a lot of boats in all the good spots? So how how do you actually kind of tiptoe around and not piss somebody off? Yeah, it's not like you learned it in the '80s. You know, you learned yeah. it when it was crowded. Yeah, and the spots are for a lot of the spots are already known. A lot of and the stuff that I hold clear, like dearest to me too, is you know was just a mile away from where you know all the best fishing was. We'll call it at that time of the year. And no one else fishes this and, spot. And nobody else was there. And it was just, you know, you're out there blowing in the wind and you stake off and you're tired of not seeing something. And all of a sudden you're like, shit, there's a fish. And wait, there's another fish. Oh, cool. And so then you, you've got, now you've got something to work on, like in those early stages, like mm -hmm. where you're just trying to find something that you can really just dig into, figure it out. And then once you start to feel a little confident there, to me, it was all about like trying to replicate that somewhere else. Okay. I know they're the fish are walking this edge at this stage of the tide. Let's move, you know, a mile down the road and check this channel out and, and starting to try to just build those patterns and, and just get some confidence in what you're mm -hmm. doing. And, and then, you know, try to go do that somewhere else. Do you look at Google earth to see what edge might work? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people say, God, I hate these. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I can't believe that's out there for availability. Yeah. Like, I'm fucking on the computer every day. Man. Like, oh, check that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, I, what, but what you're saying is very similar to a statement that Steve Huff said. He said, don't tell me where the fish are because you're stealing from me. Yeah. That's like a nugget of gold that yeah. you just, that, that I'm going to find. And that nugget of gold is mine when I, when I find that spot and I find that fish. Yeah. And that's what you're speaking about. Yeah, and I think like early on, those nuggets of goals are not that hard to come across because the whole everything's so new to you, and you know as you do this longer, you start to fall like into like a rigid belief system sometimes, which you know for better or for worse. Um, but it's harder to find those those new spots or that new little edge or that new little thing that's working for you. Um, but you know how important it is to try to find them and how much value that can bring to your game, you know, shoot, like in a tournament, if you knew you can go somewhere and get six shots at fish that haven't been thrown to, mm -hmm. I mean, it, six shots is not a lot, but darn, if you can, You're gonna catch, if three you can catch them, right. Then that's, yeah. that's a, it's a pretty big, uh, 
a pretty big move for you. How do you find new spots when you're fishing every day with customers? Do you just set a certain amount of time aside to go look? Uh, sometimes, yeah. I mean, for sure, yeah. I might not vocalize like, hey, we're going to go fish a spot I've never fished before. You can't do that. No, but, but you, you do. You just send it. You just have to. <laughs> send yeah. it. You send it. <laughs> yeah. Do you, sometimes if you feel like you're uncomfortable there, you'd be like, oh, I don't know. They, they, they have a tendency to walk that corner over there. <laughs> <laughs> I like that walk that corner. And, um, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, if you're, you know a fisher or in a certain area and you're you've been fishing you know the west side of the basin um you know why don't we just go fish the east side of the basin mm -hmm. and let that tide get right over there on the west side so you've you know you got there an hour early and you're kind of poking around or you know you know the fish have been swimming east to west over here and we're on the west side let's let's cheat a little bit closer to that east side you know i feel like they're coming from there let's just spend 15 20 minutes and if they're there you know probably not going to be a big secret. We'll see them. So you just, you know, you get creative and you try to incorporate it in a way where you feel like it's, you know, it's going to benefit you throughout the day. Um, you know, you're certainly not going to spend all day trying to figure out something, but sure. you just, you try to do it with uh, a little you style. You got to cheat a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but after your hockey career, did you take a year off or two years off to really try to dial in your spots and kind of get the fishery, you know, underneath your hand or did you just go straight into guiding? No, no, no. I was... Um, I mean, I was working at the angling company, uh, I think for, you know, call it two years, might be a little bit less than so that. So you went from a professional hockey player to selling flies. No, <laughs> even better, folding t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I saw an interview with you when you were in the middle of your, of your hockey career. You said, you know, I might, I love fishing. Yeah. Fishing and hockey are very similar in, mm -hmm. my, in my passion. Uh, and one day I want to be a guide. Yeah. Yeah. You forecasted that a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, in my junior or sophomore year in college, it was, you know, you, ha you didn't have to be there all summer to train, but it, you had to be there all summer to train. Um, and so most of the boys would, you know, you get out of the gym at, you know, call it noon and go kind of hang around the house or do whatever. And that wasn't really <clears throat> something I was interested in. So I, I, I fell back into, you know, to fly fishing, you know, something I knew as a kid. And obviously being in Michigan, there was you know, plenty of streams and creeks and little ponds that you could go beat around on for a couple hours in the afternoon. And that kind of evolved to, you know, getting up towards Traverse City Bay and doing some smallmouth and carp. And, um, and it just kind of like, you know, not with too, too much thought, just kind of organically. I just went down that rabbit hole and kept right. going further and further. So many great fishermen started at a young age with simple fish in their backyard. Yeah. Yeah. And I was fortunate to to grow up uh, for the most part in Satellite Beach. So we had, you know, the ocean on one side of us, the Indian River, Banana River Lagoon on the other. So it was um, it, it was it was you know just beating around on your bikes and carrying a fishing rod with you and go catch some trout or a small tarp. And it was that was what we were generally doing. Mm -hmm. And then you know obviously I got wrapped up in hockey, so it just took me took me away from that, which obviously I don't regret one bit. Um, but it. it you know, we fished hard as a kid, but nothing, nothing organized or anything like what's being, you know, taking place down here. Right. Are you watching hockey? It's on TV every yeah. night now. Yeah, we're glued to it. Huh? Yeah. My wife's into it probably more than I am. You scream at the house? No, no. I mean, there's a couple of fellas I played with that are still in the hunt. Um, so it's cool to follow them, but I don't know. Playoff hockey's hard to beat. And if you type your name in on YouTube, you see a bunch of fights. Yeah, <laughs> probably, probably. We figured out. Okay, <laughs> we figured. 
Um, we were <laughs> you won one, you lost two, and tied one. Oh man! I, I, <laughs> but he's probably been in a million. Yeah. The old saying was it, it uh, didn't matter how many won; it mattered how many you showed up to. <laughs> That's good. I like that. How hard is it to fight with all that those pads and hockey attire on? It's it's not bad. I mean, it's, it's hard to throw a punch very hard, isn't it? It it, it well. <laughs> Do you maybe, get hit maybe me um no yeah it's real i mean it, it it hurts but you're you know there's a level of respect um within fighting and within the game um and everybody's just trying to do their job and right. they're just doing their role and uh and yeah sometimes you get the upper end of it and sometimes you know your nose is somewhere behind your ear <laughs> and uh but yeah it's it's you know there's a place for it I, there's a lot of testosterone in in uh in hockey i yeah, can see this that's yeah. good no, man. none of it came from like ever anger i don't think i ever fought once this reaction anger. thing right it was yeah if someone took liberty like on your team or a guy you know you had to you know had to be Put accountable him. for it or um or you just need a momentum shift and you know it's Hey man, we got it. Sometimes you want to give me a go. Sometimes you just fight just to get just to get the team roused yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Get in Absolutely. Yeah, there's more. There's more. Like if we scored a goal, and the next shift I'm <clears> out there and someone challenges me, I'm I'm, I'm not gonna fight. I mean, we're we got the momentum sure. now, right? So oh, that breaks your momentum. Yeah. Or if you're you know if you're a guy that's that's all you do, like I'm not gonna fight you. You're a total liability. Right. And we right. want you out there. You're gonna take a dumb penalty or something. So we we need. We need you. Oh, so there is a little bit of strategy that yeah. goes into that. Yeah. Huh. And if you're a skill guy that's willing to go, like, man, if I can get you off the ice, then, you know. So okay. there's okay. there's more to it than sure. just, like, kind of a bunch of knuckleheads going out there. Right, right. It's well thought out. Uh, okay, you have a ring. You have Rob Fordyce, Dustin Huff, <laughs> and you. Who wins? <laughs> oh, man. Can we say this, you know what Dustin Huff say said? this off, off you know, air? You know what Dustin Huff said about Fordyce? He said, I'll probably lose, but he's going to know he was in a fight. Yeah, I don't know. I, those, are, those are some tough dudes. I think it would, would beat each other to a pulp. <laughs> Do you ever throw any uh, hockey slang into the fishing scene? Like, the, let's slap shot this fish or something. <laughs> no, yeah. no. But I mean, like, I don't know. Hockey definitely, like, locker room lingo has a has its its own way that's kind of incorporated into fishing and but yeah no nothing nothing silly like that yeah. unfortunately well what, 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 it's an interesting question in that you are a high-end professional hockey player and sometimes fishing you have to wait for it to marinate mm -hmm. and you were speaking about how john o'hearn approaches life and fishing in such a cool mm -hmm uh artistic way and sometimes fishing demands that do you ever find yourself frustrated because you're coming at it too too aggressively i want to do it my way yeah. i'm going to go here i'm going to catch two here i'm going to go there and catch one then we're going to run down to so-and-so and, and catch a fatty yeah yeah no I, I i i'm the first one to set my myself up for failure because like i want to start each day with like we want to go out there and stroke them and sometimes that's just not the day and you know, you got to sit back and be patient and trust the tides and trust the fish and trust your spot and, um, you know, kind of work, work through that yourself. I mean, that really, you're, you're battling like that internal anxiety. Should I be here? Should I be there? So yeah, I think Johnny does things with total style and grace and keeps it light. And, you know, that's something that, you know, I, I try to work on more and more is just, you know, just trusting trusting the entire process and why we're here at this spot mm -hmm. you know 
we're not just giving it 30 minutes just to give it 30 minutes. We're, we're allowing the current to get going. We're allowing the fish to catch up to it. Um, and, and, you know, and just being okay with that because, you yeah, know, you're right. I want to, I want to run and gun. And if they're not there in 10 minutes, I want to leave and I want to go, you know, I want to chase them down kind of mentality. Um, but that doesn't always work. So you right. got to sit back and, you know, be patient and, and just let them come to you sometimes. Well, everyone we speak to just can't say enough great things about you. They say you're one of the best guys they've ever fished with, but what would you say your greatest weakness is as a guide? Oh man, probably a lot. We don't have enough time to to break that down. Uh, no, I mean, I think. What's, my, the, what's the biggest thing you fear in fishing? Um, not doing my job. Does, does that ever happen? I I don't. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean, I think that's left up to the client to decide ultimately. Yeah, but if you give one hundred and ten percent, which yeah. I think you do every day. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's to me like the the importance of like executing. And, and sometimes you, like, I don't know, I'm not a big excuse guy. Um, you know, I want to go out there under any and all conditions and find a way. And I think mm -hmm. that's like the hard part is like, sometimes you, you're just timed out. You've run out of light. You've run out of tide. Like, right. The day's done. And, you know, and I just, yeah, I'm not, I've never been the best at losing. I think it's the ultimate motivating factor for me outside of like my family. Um, but it's, um, I just, I don't like to let people down and I understand the value of like an angler coming on your boat and deciding to fish with you. And, you know, the day's charter is, you know, that's something I was, you know, my, I couldn't do as a kid. And like, I, I see the value and of, of that. And I just want to follow through with, you know, my side of the bargain. And I, I, you know, at the very least I can just work my butt off. I get that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also, you know, I want to do my job. How hard is it to balance what you do with your family? Your wife is 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 due here. With your third child, right? First, first. Oh, your first. <laughs> yeah. How'd it go from three to one? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But I don't is, know. I don't know. That's just with the way my mind works. <laughs> um, because you're on the water, everybody yeah. says you don't fish eight or ten. You fish like fourteen hours. Yeah, um, sometimes. And it, then you and then you either go to the gym or you worked out at four in the morning. Yeah, uh, uh, doing deadlifts with five hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah. No, I've I've got like the most understanding, gracious, you know, best friend, wife. Um, you know, when she we first met, we were first girl I met when I was in Cedar Rapids, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and going into eleventh grade. And um, yeah, we just hit it off. But I mean, she she came into like that world where it was, you know, you're. I'm gone every weekend already and you know it's just it's not it's not a normal right relationship and um and i think but she kind of got like she saw it before yeah a long time and ago. um and i and i told her early on i was like you know dating a hockey player is going to probably be the hardest thing you do and you know we're you know even at that time like you could have been it was a 10th grade or 11th grade in high school you could have been traded at a moment's notice you know you're in cedar rapids one day you get dealt and now you're in you know call it Omaha, like living Nebraska. in the military so it um she she gets it and and you know if there was ever a time like i felt like that wasn't healthy or that wasn't right i you know i certainly have the the whereabouts in me to to kind of change that but she's been so supportive and understanding that and i hate to sound selfish like this but like that's part of what makes me who i am exactly right and um and i even if i try to not be that 
person. You know, if I'm at the house for too many days, she's like, oh, you got to get out of here. Go do something. Go lift a house yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, but yeah, no, certainly you miss out on a lot. And I, but that's, again, like that's kind of. Right. I, I get life. that. I get that completely. Why do you lift, lift weights so much and lift so heavy? Uh, you just like it. I think, yeah, part of me is I like it. Um, but it helps uh, pushing that. Boat yeah. Too. Like I want to, yeah, I want to get better and I still have like these internal goals of what I think I can do. And I'm uh-huh. still kind of chasing down old goals. Um, but I'm definitely like, you know, smartening up, like usually so in, in tarpon season, like, you know, if I, a couple years ago, I'd go straight to the gym, but if, you know, if you need rest or if you just need to stretch or cold tub sauna kind of thing, just do that. Like mm-hmm. you got to do something, but it doesn't always need to be, you know, off the charts. It's it because you have uh, Rob as you know, Rob Fordyce and Dustin Huff. Mm-hmm. They're lifting at like four in the morning before they even go fishing. <laughs> and it's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. I think it's also too, correct me if I'm wrong, Ian, but like sort of mental clarity plays a big part of that yeah. as well. You know, you feel sharp and you're, you know, yeah. um, and that and might enhance your day in the water if you're an angler or a guide. Or- Very much so. I mean, when you get it done in the morning, you feel like, you're very one. Yeah, you've done the day's work. Now I get to go fish. And- How tired are you at the end of at six o'clock at night? And you're still out there. Not not that tired. I mean, when you're in it, man, you're you're chasing the dragon. Like it's it's rinse, wash, repeat every day, and it's it's an awesome feeling. And as long as you can maintain it and take care of yourself, and take care of home, mm-hmm. um, it is cool. I, I love it. I love it. I get. I so get it. Yeah. But it's I- a, when you're when it's you know you wake up and you know it's pulling twenty and you're tired and you're hurt and hands are sore or whatever's bothering you and it's like you know you get motivated you get excited that you know it's something about the wind either it's going to push you you're going to push back into it and uh you know it's yeah tell me about the tattoos you have on your arm oh more uh (laughs) not much probably too much time in my hands in college (laughs) (laughs) do you have any tarpon scales or fish scales i did all this and then i realized how much it hurt (laughs) (laughs) And then, because you had to, you know, I had to play through some of it, and I was just like, man, I don't, I, I get it, I like it. It was a cool part of my life, um, but I think just with time, I can vocalize how I feel differently <laughs> right, than making something totally permanent. When you when you first started immersing yourself in the fly fishing industry, like as a guide, who were your some of your greatest influences? Uh, so, you know, Frank Catino was uh my t-ball coach when i was younger and frank was like the hot shot fishing guide where i grew up um and frank was obviously you know very helpful in, in getting me down here because when i came down here I, I mean i other than hearing about steve huff i had no idea what a doug kilpatrick or john o'hearn was or a simon becker um but that was kind of also like the importance of wanting to be at the england company it was it just like when i walked in there that just felt like you know if you're going to learn and you're going to associate with <laughs> the right people like this is the place to start and it just kind of you know i didn't really have too many influences early on i just wanted to go fish and try to figure this puzzle out and then everything kind of just not saying it fell into place but i was open uh, and, and i just hung around and and you know just kind of people walk through the door of the shop and start talking fishing and then you hear that's you know again that's simon becker right as an absolute savage right um and then you start to like not idolize him, but you're like, how did, how did this guy get that good? Like, what sure. did, what did he do? Like, and you know, obviously Steve was, you know, 
like just fish every day, work as hard as you can, sun up to sundown and say, okay, I can do that. And then you hear how Johnny carries himself. You're like, okay, I can take bits and pieces of that. I like that. And and then obviously all the experiences I've had through like hockey and you're just, you know, you're trying to just fine tune this thing on how you want to carry yourself and what's your approach and, you know, how do you become like, you know, the quintessential professional. Pappas Pilar is a spirit that embodies adventure. Named after the late great Ernest Hemingway in his boat, the Pilar, the name says it all. This ultra-premium blended rum is hand-selected from around the Caribbean and blended by master blender Ron Call. After a long day on the water, when the sun is descending the sky, end on a good note with Pilar by your side. Go support them at PapasPilar.com or a liquor store near you. Starting from a 90-year-old family recipe, Wickles are wickedly delicious pickles packed with garlic and peppers, a staple in our skiff and all shoreline lunches. Originating from Sim's grandmother's kitchen to a pantry near yours, from pickles, okra, relishes, and spreads, check them out to elevate all of your meals to the next level. Yeah, very well said. You fish IGFA legal? Yeah. 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 I mean... You got to do that, right? Yeah, like, yeah, and I mean, don't get me wrong. Like sometimes we're gonna we're gonna cycle flies. Um, yeah, you have a little bit of a bite tip, but, a little bit long, longer. But yeah, not with Nat, that, right? No, Nat, no one from what basically one fly, one liter. But if, if you have a typical like you know someone from Indiana coming down, you might have fifteen inches of shock. Yeah, like, I, I mean, just so you can cut one. Yeah, fly I'm not gonna. Yeah, one. I'm not gonna say like I'm. Like I'm hundred percent fishing sixteen. Like there's there's no question, and that's gonna be yeah, absolutely legal. Yeah, will there times? Yeah, <laughs> that is the yeah, cardinal like, rule. Absolutely, like sixteen pound test. Run a sixteen inch, fourteen inch leader. I mean, I'm, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. Yeah, yeah. But I think you're right. The cardinal rule is sixteen. You know, you want to learn how to pull in sixteen. Absolutely, I, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. I mean, it's just that the value and the integrity that. How it, it doesn't take any extra work, really, when you think about it. Well, yeah, and I've said this a number of times on the podcast, but if you blindfold, you don't have to blindfold them, but just put up 16, 20, 30, 40, 60 pound test with scales. Yeah. And you stand back and pull as hard as you can, like you're pulling on a fish. You will never pull more than 20 pounds. Yeah. yeah. Unless you lock your straight rod and walk backwards. But yeah. if you've got a bent rod, you can't pull harder. No. It's almost impossible to pull over 16. Well, even if you, And the only way you break fish off is if you, you know, they're going that way and you're going yeah. this way. But for the most part, you're not going to learn how to fish if you're if you're fishing with 30. No, I I mean, you put the reel at 10 pounds and hand to the angle and they're fighting the fish and you're like, hold on. Yeah. And they're thinking, what's 10 pounds feel like? It's going to tow the boat. And they, yeah, and they're like, they want to let go of the rod or it's doubling over. And so I think, you know, I think 16, in reality, 16 is probably more close to 18. Um, I think you're, you know, just learn to fight them that way. You're going to get more out of it as an angler. And it's, I don't know, from a guide standpoint, it just, I think it's the only way. I don't right. know why you would do it any other and way. I, I know you fish, you know, quite a few days with Dave Delu. Yeah. Um, what has he taught you that maybe you could apply to, you know, your anglers on the bow or um, anything that he's taught you? Because, I mean, he's yeah. a very accomplished angler himself. 
yeah, Dave, um, Dave was, was huge early on. Um, and, and still to this day, um, a huge part, especially like with just tarpon. I mean, the way his, the way he sees fish and the amount of reps he's had the same with you, Andy, like how many shots you've had on the ocean and like just fine tuning where you want that fly to be and how to get the fly to kind of, you know, slice through the string and which side to put them on. Um, never like overly directive, like like being too direct with me on that stuff, but just having the ability to watch him and, um, and, you know, and, and just talking analytical stuff day to day, he's, uh, he's huge because I mean, he would call some shots before they even like went down, which was like pretty wild. And, you know, like the fly lands, I'm going left side, I'm going to sweep it into him. Oh, she's going to bite. And the fish is still like 20 feet away and just crawling it through. You and can goes, just see how they're swimming. Yeah. And he's, it, it, you know, he's had so many, you know, so many reps on the ocean, sure. just throwing and throwing and throwing to, to get to that level of confidence and and then furthermore just credibility right um it was it was huge and like honestly yeah i mean a lot of like early impressions um with fishing with day ape um definitely translate through through my anglers and and just like again like reading those oceanside fish and you know you can see a tarpon like kind of checking with its chin which way she's kind of leaning into the current and just like those little subtle details um mm. were, were were definitely huge on me I think I'm just going to throw this out here because I haven't thought of, about it before, but I think if I were guiding, I would find a fish to throw anything but a worm to because fishing the worm is so technical. Mm -hmm. The fly has got to land in, in the, the exact, the perfect spot mm -hmm. and it's got to move at the exact, the perfect speed when it gets by that fish's face. What do you think about that statement? So maybe instead throw maybe chartreuse or maybe a shrimp fly or something other than the than the worm where you have a little bit more room mm -hmm. to work that fly and speak to the fish instead of because the worm is more of a reaction bite. I yeah. think coming right here in the reaction. I think it's who's on your bow. Yeah. I would I would agree, but then again, like you know, with with, with a small fly that you know, you can get away with some stuff and I don't know. I, 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 I love the, the ocean side style, you know, and what we're throwing out there and it is a tough read and it's hard on the anglers, but like, that's where that team works at. Like start your cast. I need you to go a little left, little left, little left drop, start bringing it kind of thing. And, you know, cause a lot of times I can't see the fly, you know, the angler can't see the fly. You're reading the fish almost right. entirely. Um, that, you know, I, and even like out back and stuff, like even feather flies, like it, I like small, small stuff for sure. And, it, and it, with less experienced anglers too, like I can have them tuck it in there tight and, you know, we can maybe get away with stuff that we wouldn't with a bigger fly. Right. Um, so it's, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely would say like a big fly or, or throwing feathers would, would help to get comfortable with, with, especially with an angler learning how to read the fish and read the bite. Um, but I, I mean, I like, I like small stuff and, mm -hmm. you know, I think you can get away with murder. I, you know, I've said this recently that I missed the, the old days where the worms weren't even available because that's when we really fed fish. Mm -hmm. You know, you slide it out there, sweep the rod, get in position and start tap, tap, bump, bump. And now the fish, you, you know, it's like a dance. Mm -hmm. You get them to see it, depending on what the fish does, then you make your next move. Oh, you like that? Well, how about this? Boom, boom. Gets a little closer. I like that. He does this. And then you get the bite. 
Yeah. It's that dance, you know, yeah. feeding fish. I th- you can and, still do that, but it may maybe not on certain spots on the ocean. Yeah. I, I, well, I'm just saying, yeah. I, I don't feel like you do it that much with a worm. No. I mean, a worm is a presentation and it's, 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 it's a speed thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I don't see the feeding of fish with worms. I agree. I, I think you... you I think like a lot of oceanside stuff now is like it, it, it's systematic, like how repeatable, you know, if you're given the opportunity to have pretty repeatable shots, how repeatable can we get it in there the right way and how effective and efficient can we be with each shot and like fishing a string? Cause you take a hundred fish string, that's, that, that's like five shots maybe mm-hmm. i mean it's a pretty quick transaction where do you see a hundred fish let's get back to the first statement i'm gonna have a little shot of pilar on that one well, so here's to a hundred fish string everybody when, when we're on the ocean we see two fish yeah, going yeah. Well, the key west daisy chain <laughs> they're they're sadly but true yeah and a two fish string josh you got you better get it right the first shot um but no i think i think a lot of like the worm stuff at least like thinking about it it's it's more than just like getting it there it's more than just like stripping it through um and i think like you do take a bigger string of fish like that is a pretty you know you got to fish that as efficiently as possible because it it's a pretty quick shot Mm -hmm. i mean you get get in there five six times and you know at the angles that you want to fish um but yeah I, i think you are fishing a system whereas like you know, you go into some of the bigger basins or or such where you got a laid up fish and you got good current, and it's like I'm just gonna sweep this thing right Let in the current here, bring it. and don't you worry, it's gonna get there. We're and, gonna go underground with this one. Yeah, and they see it out the corner of their eye, and you're like, oh, I got you. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, and like, and that's 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 fun. That's it's really, so much really fun. fun. Here, I think that you and Nathaniel obviously are one of the the top teams in the tournament game right now. Uh, Dustin and Thane and Rob and some of these other guys, uh, Dave Preston. A lot of those guys are throwing all clear fly lines. We th- we throw the Cortland ghost tip so you get at least mm-hmm. nine feet of clear, a long 15-foot leader. But Nathaniel throws a straight 15-foot mm-hmm. leader and a, a colored fly line. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that's kind of out of the box yeah. from what everybody else is doing. How does that work in your favor? I mean, I, I think a lot of like just the importance of like with following through with the systems, like we got to know right where the fly's at. You know, if you throw through a string of fish, it's not pulling it through, which I think, and I could be wrong because I don't fish the clear line too often, but it feels like you're just kind of fishing it through. Mm-hmm. Whereas at least we, we have a good idea where our fit, our fly is. And so we, you know, you cross the string, you fish to one, you're kind of in dead space, you quicken it up, pull it back into the next fish, slow it down. And I feel like we, you know, you can fish a couple of individual fish through that string with just a little bit better, more efficient, more efficient, and just yeah. knowing exactly where the fly is again versus like you know throwing something big that you can see out there. So it just gives us a little bit more information. I understand that. Yeah, um, because mm-hmm. once you're once you're inside that string, if you're inside a foot, you can go ahead and recast already. Yeah. yeah be way more efficient and productive i i lose my fly with an all clear i stopped fishing that a long time ago and with the clear you know the ghost tip at least i can see the end of my fly line so i have an idea about you know another 20 feet is my fly and i can read the fish fish is going to tell me what the fly is doing but your eyes can you see the worm out there it depends on the worm 
No, I can't see all the worms. There's, no. there's sometimes, I mean, yeah. I mean, I try to, I mean, from the time that fly hits, like you can't, don't yeah. blink. Like you gotta, you gotta stay focused on it. And, um, but I do think there's a, there's without question a purpose and a place for the clear line and maybe bigger schools. Yeah. Where, you know, you feel like, you know, if, if you're just getting it into them, maybe mm -hmm. let that fly sink down a touch and, you know, maybe a fish in the bottom comes and grabs it. Um, but when you're, you know, you're fishing kind of like traditional strings and oceanside fishing, um, I, I just, I, I want to know where the fly's at for, and, and that's different, right? And for you, it's different. Like there's, there's certainly, there's a lot of trust there. Uh, but day-to-day -day charter fishing, uh, I need to, like, I have to know where that flies mm -hmm. at. Cause if not, then we're just, you know, we're missing opportunity. Right. That huh. makes sense. It's interesting in the Florida Keys, there there's a, a there's a pile of meat elsewhere that's not in your backyard how hard is it to go up and learn you know for tournament's sake to go win these big mm -hmm. tournaments you can't fish down here anymore mm -hmm. all the tournaments or a lot of them used to be one down here i won you know most of mine steve huff won most of his down here in the lower keys now you have to travel is it hard learning a different fishery a different do the fish swim differently up there i mean there's more fish so it's a numbers game of course yeah. you're fishing a bigger boat and faster yeah. a faster motor maybe tiptoe around yeah it's it's tough i mean there's there's you know every day you're learning um but yeah i mean you're going into someone else's backyard and you know i they have their own etiquette and their their own established way of doing things and and mind you the, these are the guys that you look up to and you know you don't want to get in their way and so how do you it's a balancing act how do you go in there and you know continue to learn and improve without you know trying to get in the way of the old guard right do you talk to them at all uh, a little bit because definitely. they know you're coming yeah yeah definitely i mean it, yeah with without question i mean early on i'm pretty not standoffish but i don't want to get in the way but i also want to go in there and and do what i need to do um, and I don't want to disrespect anybody along the way. Um, but you know, and I think, I think the social side of things takes care of itself with, with time. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, if I do something wrong, surely those guys will let me know. Uh, but I just don't want them to feel like I'm trying to take what's theirs cause it is. Um, I'm just, you know, I want to just do the best that I can and, you know, learn the etiquette with time and, and that the very least I can do is enforce it. So what those guys have in place is you know, remains that way. Right. When you're in these tournaments, maybe not even in these tournaments, the team dynamic between you and Nathaniel, is it, who dictates where, you know, where the boat goes? Does Nat have any input on like, hey, I think we should check this spot out or is it all you? No, yeah, that would, that's definitely on me. No. All you. All me, yeah, Nat doesn't. Does he try to influence you ever? No, no, and it's been that way since day one. Like I, I really, you know, and I, and I, I generally appreciate that. He's never um, separate the jobs. Yeah. He separated the jobs. And, and, and to be honest with you, I mean, he's fished with everybody yeah. and it, it could put him in a pretty vulnerable situation. And I think he recognizes that I recognize it and, and we both get it. And so that's my job is to point the boat and put him in the best position possible to catch fish. And uh, the more fish in front of him, hopefully he can catch, but it's definitely like, the roles are, are very singular. Sure. Yeah. Let, me, let, let me ask you, 
We used to come to the lower keys because we felt that the fish were easier to catch than the ones on the ocean mm-hmm. up, up in Isla Marata in that area. I think there's a little bit dustier water in certain places in the lower keys. So in these big tournaments, it's all a matter of catching maybe 15 fish, five weight fish, five releases or whatever, and you're going to be in the game. Yeah. Especially if you catch five weight fish. Does that, do you examine that sometimes? Like we can catch them in the lower keys and we can catch those five mm-hmm. weight fish or we just have to go where there are more fish and it's a numbers game. I think a lot of it is for us, it's just condition based. Um, I gen- I mean, trust me, I, I want, I mean, last year I was like, you know, I wanted it to happen down here as, you know, as much as I could. It just and, dries up. And there's, you know, you're running past a lot of country that's going to save you time and fuel. Um, so the logistics. And, and hours of fishing. Yeah. I mean, you got logistics you need to take into consideration. Um, and then you're, you know, you're, you got a very talented gifted angler and you know law of large numbers just if we can keep them in front of them i'm confident you can feed them i'm confident we can work together in a way that's gonna allow us to to get to where we need to be um but i do think in key west i i I really do i still think there's a place i just think you gotta you gotta really believe what you're doing and don't for a second allow like well did we make the right decision because you're in a little slow period of fishing um there's certainly places here, I think, that you, you can do it. It's just, are they there? That's the hard part. And and it can be very, very cyclical, too. Right. Um, 24 you, hour cyclical. You can have them in where you want them to be, and you've got their number, you feel like. And the next day you go back and you're idling through, and you're like, you already know, like, they're not in here. So it's um it's tough, but, you know, we'd, we'd love to do it, do it in our backyard. Do you think that. They've, look, the the Gold Cup is, I mean, a, a lot of people, this is, you know, the, the Florida Keys. And a lot of people don't understand about the tournaments. We're talking about, you know, the most important tarpon tournament in the world of tarpon fishing mm-hmm. that a lot of people consider. So we're basically refining our techniques and our skills that will go elsewhere and around the world. Our knowledge and our development of fly lines and hooks and fly patterns go everywhere. So I think this, you know, having the focus and the crosshairs and the lower keys and what you guys are doing is really important for the rest of the rest of the world. But that aside, and that's why I want to keep everybody kind of tuning into this conversation, what you guys are doing, because I think a lot of people can learn and understand mm-hmm. about what you guys are doing uh, and take it to their home waters. Um, one of the things that other people don't have um, to worry about are, are big motors and speed. Mm-hmm. Do you think now that uh, some of the boats are running 21-foot boats, 300 uh, race Mercuries going almost 80 miles an hour, is there is there ever a time where all of a sudden the, the, the tournament is going to change and it's going to be based on boats and speed to win? I mean... Hasn't it always been like that? It has. They, they, yeah. they use lake and it, bays. It, 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 no, I, I to get, get that. to the Buchanan pocket. You know, it's always been that way. But I kind of wonder at what point does it get dangerous, and yeah. all of a sudden we're, we're we're risking, you know. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think you're you're one hundred percent correct. I mean, I I don't. I certainly don't want to be the person to make the decision or try to figure that one out. Um, because here's here's the question too. Let's just say somebody gets all of a sudden has a, a boat and they're running up 
and they are closer to Chukaluski mm-hmm. in that area. And all of a sudden, the fish in the lower keys during the Gold Cup has dried up, and now you got to get places. You got to yeah. go far. And now, unless you have that boat and that two hundred thousand dollar, you yeah. know, uh, package, you, you're un, you're you're not competitive, and yeah. not everybody can afford that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, it it certainly opens up a lot of options options for you having a, a boat that is able to go seventy five miles per hour, and you know, essentially run from the Lorelei to heck the Marquesas on one tank of fuel and, or, or the other way. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think we, the way I look at it is it's, it's a tool to get me to where I want to go. And at the end of the day, it needs to be one on the stick. Um, you know, like when, when Brian Helms won it with the, with the 70 Yamaha on his, like, you know, like there, I still think you got to go out there and fish and I do, but at the, in the same breath, like the, the, the boat you have is going to, if it's going to save time and open up options, it's a weapon and yeah. give you range and you know, that country, geez. Yeah. You know, like if you, if you were competent from Marquesas to Chukaluski, and Naples, you, Na- Naples, <laughs> Tampa, <laughs> wherever. Right. And you knew, you knew that stuff. I mean, that's a force. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, for sure. but well, it gets away from like, I think the heart of like, I get what you're saying is, yeah. Uh, what's it like going 75 miles an hour in that boat? Oh man, it's, it's a thrill. It's 5.45 in the morning, taking mosquitoes in the off dark. the forehead. Yeah. Do you have uh, like masks, uh, maybe some sort of like, are you wearing light Goggles? Uh, Goggles? We got, uh, I've got uh, like the clear construction yeah. glasses. Right. Um, life jackets, they're in the boat. Um, but yeah, it's a thrill. I mean, I can sit here and be like a good boy and say, yeah, that's fast. That's maybe a little too fast to be doing in the dark. But the minute you get behind that thing and it's go time, it's, it, you feel alive. You want to go faster. Yeah, you, you want to push that throttle through the helm. And what what what's top speed? Oh, I think with the prop right now, it's probably like low 70s. Yeah. Unless, we, unless we're getting some help from like current and some, some wind, a little chop. Right. How did you feel the first Gold Cup you entered? So I remember my first tournament, and uh, it wasn't the Gold Cup; it was the Gold Fly. But it was like there was a there was a big thrill there in the morning. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that was uh, that was like that first Gold Cup, if I remember correctly. I didn't have glasses, and we had the five forty five shotgun start, or uh, yeah, shotgun start, and um, I remember like I don't know who it was, but they're like, "Hey, you got glasses?" And I was like, "No." Nah. The boat spray. You it's get pitch, behind somebody. It's dark. What do we need glasses for? And then we. Uh, You'll see. Then yeah, I remember like you know running through and you know you're getting hit with bugs and I was like I get it now like you gotta there's a little bit of safety <laughs> involved in this, but yeah it's it's a thrill and I I do I do love it nothing like Dustin you're going 72 and Dustin's buzzing you going 82. Um, no, but your first Gold Cup you see in all these big players yeah, the it best was, anglers it was, and guides it was yeah it was very. At that point in time, like that was where I resonated. Like this feels like sport. This is different. You're back in the arena. Yeah, and like the minute I walk through those doors, and you know, you've got you know, you've got all the heavy hitters there. You've got the guys that, you know, have twenty, thirty more years of experience than you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, it's you're you're definitely, you know, it, you're, you're it's an emotional feeling walking in there, and that's the, you know 
yeah, it was, it was, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks and, but I loved it. Like it felt real. Like, it, you know, you're going into a game. Were you looking for somebody to, to punch? <laughs> no, no. I just, it just felt. <laughs> you don't catch any fish, changing yeah. the momentum. If yeah, I'm going to go punch somebody. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go punch somebody. No, I don't get paid enough to do that these days. <laughs> um, we need more weight fish. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's real. It's the, it's the greatest tournament I think of all of them. And then a couple of years ago that you guys took a, a weight fish that was undersized yeah. and the release points would have won the tournament. Mm-hmm. What kind of sucked? How bad? Well, did yeah. That what hurt? was the, what was the conversation in the boat? If you mind uh, taking us back, we, we, we just lost a weight before that. Like I want to say at the boat and we got right back in there, hooked a fish right away, fought it to the boat pretty darn quickly. And you're all amped up. And when you're fighting it, are you thinking it's a weight? You know it's close. I know it's close, and it was just lack of experience on my side. I mean, those fish later in the season are spawned out, and so they're they're tear they're teardrops. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought of that. They got bigger backs and thinner bellies, and so I'm looking at the back of this thing, and I'm you know I I feel you can feel the size by its mouth, and you grab its tail, and then you're you know you're just thinking about it, and you know you looking down the barrel over the backs fish, you know like, she's wide, she's a little bit longer so maybe we're going to get a little help from that uh from that um but yeah the minute nat put the strap on and like before he even got it off the fish i was like fuck really yeah right away right away <sighs> did you know you lost right away no because they didn't know what the other teams did uh, no but you you kind of you, you know. not that moment because you're you know, you're still fishing but on the run back you have no end, you have no points yeah you lost the strap point yeah. You lost the strap and the release. And I think points. that was maybe like day three. Oh, it was still early oh, in the tournament. I, I don't think it might have been the last day. I don't day. think it was the last day. I can, I could be totally wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it it sucked like we knew. So on practice days now, are you, you know, everything around 70 pounds? Because that's the cutoff yeah. to weight fish. Are you strapping or measuring at least? Me- fish that are close, we definitely are, are taking measurements on. Um, and usually like... It, it, it's pretty quiet in the boat when we're fighting fish. Um, it, it, so, but usually like, you know, the fish runs off, the fish jumps and one of us are like, yes, yes, wait. yes no, I don't know. I know it's crazy. It's crazy yeah. how that is. Every practice day, it's like you're in a tournament. Yeah. And, you know, we try to get as good as we can at, at seeing fish and, and we joke, you know, we want our weights to be clear and we want our releases to be small. You know, it's just For tough sure when you're looking right. at a 62 or you're looking at a 71. Because that 71 could look like an 80, but that 62 could also look like an 80. It's just, it's so tough. hard. And you're jacked up, mind you. Yeah. You know, you're, you're pretty excited. Um, but yeah, that, that fish, it's just the way it goes. Poor decision making. So much fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Shall we? <laughs> Zero dark 30. Oh, we boy. have these smelling salts we've seen on podcasts. So, uh, so have you done this before? No, never oh, done good. this. What's before. gonna fucking happen? I don't know, but what I is think, it? What's it called? Look, I I, I gotta have a neck fusion in June. Hold on. Can I, it's called. Do I get a pass? It's called Ah World <laughs> Smell World World Strongest Smelling Salts, and it says lightly waft. What does twelve that mean? inches away? So don't stick your nose like so in. Just do a flyby. Kind of do a flyby, but you want to get a good whiff. Okay. Don't don't wuss out on it. <laughs> And I think it just jolts your nervous system. I mean, you know, you've done some of these, right? A couple smelling salts. Yeah. But uh, hey, I feel like out. this is a whole different animal. 
think, I mean, <laughs> yeah, this yeah, is yeah, that's that one. little thing that he cracked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got no nails. Okay, I'm on. gonna I'm gonna assess whether or not I'm in or not after your reaction, Nikki. <laughs> Taking it out of the bag. <laughs> wait, now weightlifters, you. This is me. a weightlifting. <laughs> yeah, people do it for weightlifting. They uh, before they <laughs> before they lift. <laughs> I don't think you need to open it. <laughs> oh, it's gonna wreck the house. No, no, it's not. Oh but, man, that's really bad. I can smell it from over. We're here. just gonna do a quick. I don't know if you shake it or not, but I don't even think you need to take that off. I'm getting there. Oh, I just got my finger in there. Okay. Okay, this is what they do in the hockey arena or dead deadlifting. Yeah. Five hundred pounds. I'm going in. I'm gonna be able to lift this mic after we do this. Papa's going in. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Cover it up. I'm not doing it. I'm out. <laughs> It'd be like a fucking freight trade. My eyeball. Did it work? Oh, God. I took a big hit, though. I, I saw that. <laughs> I took a big... You went inside the 12 inches. <laughs> Get ready. Dude. Dude. Come on. Get in there. <laughs> oh, you can uh, taste it. <laughs> give that to Gramps. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm right. Oh, yeah. It's going to hurt me. I'm really afraid. I went in a little too close. You, so. Yeah, you, you went in there hot. Oh, just, do a, just do a little whiff. It's the most sophisticated oh, formula. God damn. That's no fucking bueno, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put a little hair on you. <laughs> Can't wait to get branded. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm awake. Yeah, I work. I think we should take uh, that on the tarpon flats when it gets a little slow. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Where do we go from here? I don't know. That worked. Yeah. We got to wrap it up, though, because that's it's getting to an hour. But holy oh shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> great good. having you. You're, Thank you, guys. How much fun do you have? <laughs> this is great. Thank you. Ian, thanks yeah. so much. Thank oh, you, guys. Oh, God. Thank, Thank you, Andy. Bro. I appreciate great it, Great fun. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for being game. Oh, man. That was all good. Thank you for the opportunity. Nikki, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's guys like Ian Slater that have inspired other guides and anglers alike to push harder and fish better. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to see more content or behind the scenes, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We'll see you all again soon.
What a search, just the right, the right, just the right, just the right.